following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. You open your Bible to the book of Timothy, 1 Timothy, as the 4th and 5th graders, you guys are dismissed. You may be excused. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2 is where we're going to be this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Got a tech, uh, got a message last night from uh, a friend of mine who is in the ministry as well. He is visiting with us here today, and he says, hey, the last week of my sabbatical, I'm going to come and I'm going to be with you guys uh, on Sunday morning. I said, man, that's awesome. I'm preaching on 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, about the power of a modestly submissive woman. Picked a good day. He said, he said I just talked to my wife. She's going to be sick. And so I said, yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> totally understand. If you would like to come and preach for me, that would be great too. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Some sermons start off with a joke. Some sermons uh, start off with a story. This sermon is going to start off with a plead that you would pray for me, that we do diligence to this verse as we unpack it this morning together. So if you would do that for me, that would um, really uh, make my day if you want the truth. This is no easy task. And let me just uh, kind of reveal something to you as we start. When we study God's word, it is not a personal attack on anybody or anyone when we start to go through scripture. Our aim here as we talk about the word of God is to glorify him by explaining it properly in the proper context. Amen? That's what we want to do here. We're a Bible teaching church. And so when we get to hard passages, which we will, this will not be the last time we get to a hard passage of Scripture, uh, we want to really ask God that he would come and that he would do diligence as the Holy Spirit speaks to us and reveals to us the things that we need to do on our behalf in order to glorify God through our relationship with Jesus Christ in our everyday lives. So we'll ask God to do that. Lord Jesus, would you help us to do diligence with your word here this morning? May we unpack it correctly. May we walk through it correctly. And may we do a diligence to you. And may you speak to us as we talk about this this morning on areas that we can implement in our everyday life. All God's people said. Amen. Well, we've been talking about Timothy. We've been through Timothy chapter 1, and now we're kind of into Timothy chapter 2. And Paul's purpose is clear in writing uh, Timothy. He says in chapter 3 this. He says, Timothy, I write you so that you may know how one ought to conduct yourself in the household of God. It's very clear that Timothy is going to reveal, or Paul is going to reveal, excuse me, to Timothy, what we're supposed to do when we're in the household of God. You're in the household of God this morning. This is the congregational gathering where the believers are called to gather together to worship our creator. Man, we want to do that. We want to, it's, it's not just something that we, we worship individually. It's something that God calls us to worship corporately and collectively, come together, sing songs, eat food. We like that one, right? 
Everybody likes that. Okay? And the household of God, which is the church. See what he says? The living of the living God, the pillar and the support of the truth. Man, that's encouraging to me that there's an instruction manual on not only how we are to live individually, but how we are to live corporately, called into relationship with not only Jesus Christ, but also one another. Now, when we do it correctly, what happens is the church becomes attractive uh, to a lost world, an unsaved world. So the more that we do what God tells us to do in his word, the more the world looks at us and they say, man, there's something that you guys are doing that I'm attracted to, and that's what we want to do. Even if it's hard or it's difficult, we want to do what God tells us to do. So we get to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9, and a tender topic in question is going to come up, not just in today's culture, but in the culture that Timothy was in, in Ephesus. It is a question of what is a woman's role in the church? And to answer that, Paul essentially gave two instructions, and I'm going to give you the whole sermon in about four sentences. And if you want to, you can go ahead and go home and eat lunch. Just kidding. Okay? He says here, or maybe not. He says, first of all, the first thing that I want a woman to do is I want her to adorn herself correctly or be modest is what he says that's kind of number one number two is he says i want her to be submissive that's a dangerous word in our culture but a very proper word in the culture that timothy was in when it's revealed correctly now it may sound as we start talking about this passage of scripture that paul is going to uh, be demeaning to the women who are in the congregation at ephesus just the opposite. As a matter of fact, Paul looks at women and he puts them on a high level where he says, no, these are um, women who are created in God's image and we are to understand how we are to properly conduct ourselves. So it's not something where Paul's looking at it and he's degrading women. He's actually celebrating them and giving some great wisdom for not only that church in Ephesus, but also the church today. Okay, so let's read it. First Timothy chapter 2, verse 9. He says this, Likewise, Also, okay, that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not braided hair or goals or pearls or costly attire. He says, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness, hash with good works. Now, the hashtag in Greek and Hebrew is just a straight hashtag. I don't know if you knew that or not, okay? So, we got to break this up somehow, all right? So you're going to have to laugh at me a little bit this morning. All right, first thing that he says, and I already told you this, but he talks about adornment. Women should adorn themselves, okay? What are the two things that Paul is saying on how women should conduct themselves when they are in the congregational setting of worship? They should adorn themselves with something we call modesty. So if you put a little parenthesis next to adornment, you could put modesty. We're talking about the same thing. Now, the way to study scripture is to break down the passage the way that it was supposed to be broken down. And that means we go word for word or phrase by phrase. And we do this properly and correctly because this is called hermeneutics, okay? It's the study of scripture. So that's what we want to do this morning. We want to go through this verse and break it down together. First thing he says is likewise. Now, If we were to just take this passage and put it on the table and we could say, this is what Paul says to Timothy, to the women who are gathered at Ephesus, yes, it is going to look a little bit rough. But what we don't see is what's before and after the passage of Scripture. Paul comes down harder on the men than he does the women. Before that, he said in chapter 2, verse 8, I desire that in every place men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. 
guys, we don't like to do that. We don't like to lift our hands. We don't like to solve problems. I mean, so he's cracking down on them. And then after this passage of scripture, he's going to talk about what it looks like to be a godly elder. And he's going to almost be harder, in my opinion, on the men than he is than the women. So Paul says, likewise, in other words, I've already talked to the guys and I'm going to talk to them again. I want to talk to you women as well. About what? Women ought to adorn themselves. That's an interesting passage of scripture. He says, literally, if we were to look at this passage of scripture and go from the original context, it means adorn themselves with modest attire. What is he talking about there? Meaning orderly, well-arranged, decent, or that which is becoming. In other words, what Paul is saying to Timothy is he says, Timothy, you need to make sure that the women in your congregation are dressed appropriately in relationship to their creator. So they are to be a, a good representation or a good parallel for that which they have professed, which is Jesus. Because the outside world is going to look at the inside of the church and we want it to be attractive to them in the right context, not in the wrong context. We want people to look at it and say, that's what a relationship with Jesus looks like. And people are going to see us on the outside just like they are going to get a good picture of what that looks like based upon what's on the inside. Well, what's appropriate, Paul? I'm glad you asked, because he keeps going. He says, with modesty and with self-control. So the words that are used here are closer to propriety and moderation. What Paul is telling Timothy is, the woman is to be properly reserved and sober-minded. Pause for a second. Women, did you know that your true power is in your ability to keep quiet? Guys, we have a problem with this, don't we? We just kind of say what's on our mind, and this is kind of how we operate, and it's kind of just one of those things. But we look at the, the state of a woman, and we realize that one of her true greatest gifts is her ability to be restrained. Paul says this is a good thing. Paul says this is something that is opposed to that which is thoughtless. He says, ladies, you have a quiet spirit about you that is modest, and you have the ability to be self-controlled. So what Paul is saying is, women should avoid going to the extremes. Or, be not the first by whom the new is tried, nor the, yet the last to lay the old aside. I like that. He says, with modesty and self-control. And then he gives a couple of examples, okay? So now we have braided hair, gold, pearls, or costly attire. Dads, it's hard to braid hair sometimes, isn't it, right? Okay, so well, the first time I read this is I was like, I never have to braid my daughter's hair ever again. That's not true, okay? It's not biblical. <laughs> Paul isn't getting specific here, but he's talking about that which draws attention to others. Now, in Ephesus, in the time period, what's happening here is there's a lot of women who are adorning themselves improperly because they are parallel to idol worship. They want the men and other women in the community to see themselves as being something that is elaborate so that it is appealing to false gods. Perhaps that is why we have so many passages of Scripture that are written to, uh, or for, excuse me, against false teachers, because what's happening is the world tries to make it attractive that we would be drawn to that which is opposite of what is godly. 
And sometimes that is done in these things, in braided hair, gold, pearls, or costly attire. People are drawn to those things. And what would happen is it would allure men out. It would allure men away from the true creator, and it would cause them to worship idols. So women in the society in Ephesus are doing things on an opposite of what the Christian women should do. In other words, they were pulling people out of what a worship of a true God looked like and adorning them th- them, themselves with things that would be false or having people go towards false teachers, idols, and idolatry. While a woman can adorn herself with external beauty, Paul is saying here that she must remember that her true beauty Now listen to me, women. Your true beauty lies in a meek and quiet spirit. This is unpopular in our culture today. The true beauty in a woman is in her meek and quiet spirit. The idea is that the Christian female is not to imitate the world in these personal decorations but yet be drawn to the word and what it says. Isn't that amazing? How do we know that's true? The next thing is proper for professing godliness and good works. So look how Paul goes from one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And listen to me, Paul and Peter would be on the same page here. They show where the emphasis should be. In Peter, it says, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Well, that's not popular. That doesn't fit. I don't know if you caught the last sentence there. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. The good works coming from a woman following after godliness are where her true beauty would lie. The true beauty of a woman is in how close she follows to her creator. And she wouldn't want anything to distract from that creator. Whether it be external appearances or internal issues. Modesty is defined, I think this is a good way of defining it, the gentle art of enhancing your charm by pretending not to be aware of it. So how do we take all of that and put it into a cultural context in today's world? Just in those passages of scripture. Well, Christian women, I would ask you just two questions off of just that short, simple study, which doesn't do it a good service because there are books upon books upon books that are written about these things. But I would ask you two questions. First question I would ask to any Christian woman who professes to be godly, what do men notice the most about you? Is it the way you adorn yourself Or is it your quiet and gentle spirit? Interesting. What do men notice most about you? What do they notice most about you? Have you ever even thought about that? Second thing is what I just said. Is it the attention to your physical adornment or your godly conduct? And guys, let's, let's jump in this boat for just a second. 
what is it that women notice most about us? Is it our godly character? Is it our integrity? Is it our relationship with Jesus? Or is it something else? Be careful not to let the physical take precedent and block out that which is spiritual. If Paul were here, or Timothy were here, and they were talking to us today, be careful, church, be careful, woman of God, be careful, woman who loves the Lord with all her heart, soul, mind, and strength, not to let the physical take precedent and block out that which is spiritual. Be careful is what they would say. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Always be cautious. Okay, so he keeps going. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11. Then, knowing that, Lord Jesus help us here, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Verse 13, for Adam was formed first, and then came Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Uh-oh, there's a submissive word. There's a submissive word. Two words have been taken completely out of context in our culture, and I would almost say have been... Uh, done a disservice. First would be obviously submissive, which is on the table here this morning. And the second one would be slave. Did you know that we are slaves to righteousness? That's a good thing. We're slaves to Jesus Christ, our Lord and creator. Man, that's a good thing. Paul wants us first to know that submissive is not a bad thing. It is a good thing. So we have to do the same thing. Let's break down the passage of scripture. Let's talk about it in the proper context, okay? He says, first, I want them to learn in silence with all submission. Now, silence is a harsh word in the translation. It should be translated quietness, which again is a good thing because we just talked about it. Your ability to restrain is a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a godly thing. A true woman's beauty, like we said, in the eyes of the Lord is a gentle and quiet spirit. Where are you getting that? First Peter chapter 3, verse 4. They are of great worth in the sight of God. A woman who has a quiet and gentle spirit doesn't mean complete silence or not talking. It means she is settled down and not unruly. Think about it this way. Jesus says, blessed are the meek. That's a great parallel to this passage of scripture. Because Paul would be saying to the women, blessed are you who are settled down and not unruly. What a powerful passage of scripture. What a charge to the women who are gathered there. Now, here's what's happening in Ephesus, once again. The women are not only adorning themselves, pulling people away from their worship of a proper creator and going into a false god. Also, what they're doing is they're taking over the leadership, which is reserved for the men, which the men should lead. I have yet to talk to a woman in any marriage counseling or any discussion that says, you know what, Jordan, I just wish my husband wouldn't lead. Never never happens. As a matter of fact, there are so many women out there who say, Jordan, I just want my husband to lead. I want him to lead well. I want to be there for him. I want to encourage him. I want to support him. And I ask them the same question. Are you settled down and not unruly? Are you guys on the same page together? 
Well, he says, learn in silence with all submission. And again, we're talking about in the proper context of the congregation, which is gathered. Paul says, it is right for a man to lead and to teach. And a woman should not be unruly. In other words, we shouldn't have these divisions among us where women are striving to be that which they are not. And again, it's not a bad thing. This isn't like a, this isn't a bad thing. This is a good thing. He says, learn in silence, be settled down, not unruly, and not to teach or have authority. That's pretty straightforward. Women are permitted to teach in a few ways, according to Titus chapter 2 and according to Acts chapter 18. Women are permitted to teach in a few ways. However, the key passage of Scripture is that they are not to lord over a man. In other words, they can't hold the, the office of pastor and elder. They could teach younger women. Timothy was taught by his mother. He was taught by his grandmother. They can instruct a man in private. This happens a lot in my house. That's not a bad thing, right? I mean, there's so many times, and I, I want to be real with you for just a minute. There are so many times where I have stepped down off the pulpit, gone home. We've had the best meal that has ever been created. And we're sitting there, and Bethany says, Jordan, are you okay? I said, oh, I don't know. I said, I don't know if the sermon landed today. And I, I don't know. I just said, I said, you know, I felt like the application was a little off or, or whatever. And she says, you know, you had a good illustration in point one. You did good. Good job, babe. She said, point two, a little weak. <laughs> Could use some help. Look at how that is so parallel to the passage that is here. She comes in, she assumes her responsibility and knows in her quiet spirit that she can come in and that we can work together as a team because if her husband wins, she wins. Isn't that amazing? instruct a man in private. She can't assume authority in the church to try to take place of that of the man. And Paul would argue this point in a couple of ways. He does it with Scripture. <laughs> Imagine that. Paul starts arguing a point with Scripture. First thing he says is look at the creation and the way in which we were created. Priority doesn't mean superiority. Never in my life have I looked at Bethany and said, because I'm a man, I'm superior over you. No. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. Priority is never superiority. Adam was, formed, er, Adam was formed first, then Eve. This was God's design. Blame God. <laughs> we have to be careful with that one, right? <laughs> so creation, number one, look at the created order, the way that things were created. And he says, Paul would say to Timothy, Timothy, lead your people in that way in love. He would say, show these people that this isn't a bad thing, this is a good thing. He also says, look at what happened at the fall. Genesis chapter 3, verse 16 says, Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Again, in the context of the congregation, Paul encourages men to lead. Based off the created order in the fall. And he says, women, you can lead too. You can lead in places as well. Now note, this is in regards to the general assembly of corporate worship. And it does not pertain to the secular places of the world. I don't believe that. We have to be careful there because this is a slippery slope. And it's probably a better sermon for another day. But I want to commend somebody in our congregation that came up to me. And they said, Jordan, 
I kind of cheated. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? They said, well, I read the passage of scriptures that are coming up, and I saw what's going on here. I'm a teacher. Do I have to quit my job? Well, first of all, bless you for saying that. That you would even think that way. That you would even have so much, I mean, to me, that was such a spiritual, mature comment. You would even think that that was something that was needed to be done. Wow, what an amazing comment. I says, I don't think you should quit your job just yet. I've never sat in your class, so I don't know. Maybe it's, you know. This is in, in regards to the corporate worship that is taking place. This is how it should be, is what Paul says. And there's so many other things, slippery slopes, that we could get down there. We just don't have time for those today, and I apologize for that. And then he gets to this kind of weird thing right here, save through childbearing. Okay? Learn in silence, be settled down, women, and not unruly. Teach and instruct younger women or in private. Your true power and your beauty lies in that. The general principle here is that the woman has a home congregation where there are many opportunities for teaching the word of God. Think about it in context of Timothy's life with his grandmother and his mother. I'm going to brag on my wife for just a second here because she's very good at this. Bethany has uh, a rocker. It's actually a glider that is in our home. Both of our children were rocked there. They still are sometimes. Sometimes they rock there and slam against the wall. I'm sure you know how that goes. And every morning, Bethany has the same routine. She gets up in the morning. We feed the kids together. She puts on some tea. She waits for the tea kettle to go. Usually I have to shut it off. That's okay. And then she goes and she takes her glass of tea and she retreats to the chair. And in the chair, uh, right next to the chair, there's a little box and her Bible's in there and some books. And there's some journals in there that I promised I would never read and I never have, I promise. But I, wa- I watched this happen for years. Bethany and I have been married uh, for a long time. And she goes there and she sits there and she learns and she studies and she spends time with her creator. I think that's a great picture of a submissive woman who modestly loves the Lord. Who spends time with her God because she knows in the home is where the real teaching opportunities take place. And she knows in the home that two children are going to be raised either under the word of God or away from the word of God. And she knows that these two children have the opportunity to affect the whole entire world. And she's teaching them to be a woman and what it means to follow God's word. To spend time in study and in prayer. What does that look like? When decency and order are followed. The Bible communicates that God blesses that activity. The Bible communicates that God is for those things. Man, he loves it. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. A woman can trust her ability to influence and her power of influence in her true trust of her creator. Isn't that amazing? 
A woman can trust her outward adornment or she can trust God and cultivate this gentle and quiet spirit. It all comes back to who she's trusting in. Be holy women who trust in God. Regardless of a woman's position, this doesn't put her out of her relationship or ministry from and with Jesus Christ. It doesn't, it doesn't place her outside of that. Women who have children who are here this morning, I think one of your greatest jobs, I would say calling, let's change jobs to calling, is how you raise your kids. Your husband's there to help. He's there to lead. But never do that a disservice. Never do that a disservice. Bethany and I were talking the other day, and we are in the kitchen, and she's like, I got so much stuff to do. I said, yeah, I said, yeah me too. She goes, right. <laughs> she says, I have so many things that, that I got to do. And she says, you know what, but sometimes I shelf those things because I feel guilty because I haven't spent as much time with the kids as I need to. That's good. I said, you shelf those things all day. Because those two little children are learning more is caught than taught. They're watching. They're watching how their mom uh, acts in the home. They're watching how dad acts in the home. They're watching how mom acts in the congregation. They're, they're watching how mom conducts herself in the body. And so are other women. Other women are watching too as well. How are we to conduct ourselves? Because do we want to become attractive to an unsaved world? Or do we want to pull people away from a relationship with Jesus Christ and have them worship something that is false? That's not our desire. Our desire is to do what God's word tells us to do. Oh boy, that's a lot, right? That's heavy. So what's the conclusions? I mean, what, what do we come to? Well, I think all of us, not just women should really think about the adorning thing. Godly conduct, faithful service. What does that look like for us? Pursuing holiness individually and corporately. I think we really have to think about those things. In the submissive part, if, if God is urging us to look at the exterior, women, I would encourage you to look at the interior as well. What makes you up? Are you settled down, not unruly? Are you seeing the home as the greatest mission field that God has ever given to us? Where are you at in those things? It's an interesting conversation for sure. I'm sure there's many questions. I have many questions after this after this verse. But as Paul says, we should all continue so that a lost world can come to the same joy and peace we have found in Christ Jesus and his church. That's what he says. I was talking to a guy I truly respect. And I said, what's the conclusion? What should we end with here? I mean, I don't know how to end this passage of scripture. And he says, you know, Jordan, if I were to look at this passage of scripture and say anything to the congregation. I think the greatest thing that we can do is think and study and pray individually and corporately. And then next week, Paul's going to talk about, he's going to pick on us guys a little bit, talk about leadership. But this is something that we need to think about. Where are we in our 
external and internal adornment. Women, where are you at in those things? Let's pray. Lord God, that's not an easy task. I know that this is a little contradictory to our society. I know this verse is very parallel to what was going on in Ephesus as well as what's going on today. Perhaps there's some women here who maybe feel a little discouraged. Maybe the Holy Spirit is doing what Becky just said, chiseling away at some of us, causing us to think. God, I pray for the women here in this room. I pray for them specifically that you would encourage them to do a double check in the mirror. To ask themselves, and what I'm wearing and how I look, is it parallel with our relationship with you? As the, the unsaved world distorts the view of what a woman is, mutilates her with thought, destroys her with their mind. I pray that the way they adorn themselves externally would be parallel with their relationship with you. God, we don't know what that looks like. We know what Proverbs 31 says. But I love that you have given us the ability to think for ourselves. And I think that, in context, will help these women worship you as they think. And then in the submissiveness part, God, we pray for our women. I pray that they would see that they, they can lead. They can lead in the proper context of what your word says. And that they would see themselves as powerful and beautiful in your sight by the way that gentle and calm spirit is used in a proper context. I pray that they would see that the way they are made up internally is truly an honoring thing in your eyes. I know we have lots of questions, God. And I pray as those requests are being lifted up and things are being asked, you would answer them as we continue to study your word. We know that it gives us what we need. Help us to have faith and believe that your word is better than our own way. And may we take that home, men, women, children, and study those things so that we can grow deeper in our relationship with you and reach the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether that be near to us or to the ends of the world. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab. 